ഹമ്മദുറീമ <laughs> وما آتاكم الرسول فخذوه وما نهاكم عنه فانتهوا صدق الله العظيم سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل عبدة من لساني يفقه قولي درشق الله Respected brothers, respected elders, mothers and sisters listening at home after the battle of Qadisiyah and how with great bravery the Muslim army entered into the city of Madain the Persian army was in complete shambles in fact it was only a matter of time for the entire Persian army to fall apart and this indeed is a great blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the once superpowers of their time no one would even dare to blink at them never mind to challenge them the Persian Empire and the Roman Empire subhanallah it is the barakat of sahabai kiram ajma'een and their taqwa that now the Persian Empire and the Roman Empire are part of the Islamic Empire and they become subservient to Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab this is incredible my respected brothers we need to also remember that with victory comes a lot of responsibility great responsibility Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an was an incredible individual nothing would pass him and he knew that with these vast territories and lands that were now annexed to the Islamic Empire it is going to be difficult for him before it was just people of Arab origins now you had a Khilafat that was based upon a, a multi-ethnic society so you had on one side the Turks you had the, the Egyptians you had the Syrians the Romans the Persians you had the North Africans you had the, the Persians you had people of all walks of life different different people and they came to Islam with their different cultures different languages different food, different clothes everything was different and the amazing thing was that Islam gave them the freedom to choose their religious identity making it even more difficult for Amir al-Mu'mineen 
So when the people surrendered, they had to pay jizya, which was also very nominal, nothing too expensive. And it was the duty of the Muslim government to protect them. But a challenge in front of Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala. Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab and great Muslim leaders, their thinking is very very different from the previous uh, kings of the past and also rulers of today. Uh, in those days people would, kings would want to take over lands and territories uh, because of fame, because of name and to steal the wealth of that country even today there is a hidden agenda anyone who enters uh, a sovereign country illegally there is a hidden agenda ulterior motives are there to steal from them, to take everything from them Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an Khulafai Rashidin, Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een were very very sincere their intentions were very clear it was not about name and fame, it was only to establish the deen of Allah. It was only uh, to expose and give exposure of Islam to the rest of the world. To show them the true meaning of the sunnah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam, so that they could come closer to Islam, nothing else. It was not about just uh, an expansion of the Islamic borders. And all we have the, the Persian Empire, we have the Roman Empire, North Africa belongs to us, part of Europe belongs to us, part of India belongs to us. That was not the intention. They were very mukhlis and very sincere. The maqsad was only to promote the deen of Islam, to take the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala everywhere, different parts of the world. This was the maqsad of Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an, and it was never ever easy for him there were many challenges that he was about to face and was facing immediately perhaps the very first concern of Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an, was to make sure that he had a firm grip onto all of the lands that were taken uh, there is this fear of someone rebelling, revolting and you had pockets of communities now we have technology today one can imagine going back uh, a thousand years ago, fourteen hundred years ago or even more how difficult it must have been for Amir al-Mu'minin Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala everything was done manually it was very very difficult for uh, the message to come from one city to another city it would take many many days so to have a firm grip uh, onto all of the lands taken was a difficult mission. You had many, many communities, in fact cities that wanted to break off from Islam. Now, Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab was not prepared to give even an inch of land back to the al kuffar Not even an inch. There's no compromise. Lands that were taken and that became Darul Islam would remain Darul Islam till the day of Qiyamah. And until today, my respected brothers, I have done my research on this, lands taken by Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab during his Khilafat, it is the barakat of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala that they are still in the control of the Muslimin. Whatever it may be, but the name is there as Muslims. Yeah? You understand what I'm saying? Subhanallah al 
And so he was not going to give up anything. You had different, different cities, countries that were uh, of people of strong nature and physically very, very strong people, uh, people of Khurasan. Three times they broke away and fought the Muslims. And three times the Muslims fought them and took back Khurasan from them. It was an ongoing battle. Take for an example Afghanistan. Afghanistan, it is not in their fitrat, it is not in their genes to be dictated. It is not in their fitrat. These people are different people. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created them. In the time of Amr ibn al-Khattab, three times the Afghanis broke away from the Muslims. And they were prepared to fight. And they fought. And three times, subhanallah, the Muslimin took back Afghanistan. After the third time, with a lot of devotion and concentration that came from the governors, Alhamdulillah, Islam sunk into the hearts of the Afghanis. Huh? Islam sunk into the hearts of the Afghanis. And from the time of Khulafai Rashidin until now, Alhamdulillah, you find them that the, the Afghans are good Muslims. And the one thing to note is, yes, you might find Shias amongst them, but these are people who don't do bid'ah. These are people who don't do bid'ah. Because of the history and the Persian influence that had been there from a long time, you will find some Shia there. But again, that challenge that was there. So no one can uh, take over countries like Afghanistan. People have come and spend their, their, their time there in that part of uh, the world, uh, you know, for a few months, one year, two year, three year, four years. But eventually history shows that you have to go out. This is proven by history. If you look at the history books, subhanallah. It is only Islam and the love of Allah and the love of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam that settles in the heart of a believer. So Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala had a difficult challenge. There were a lot of problems uh, in front of him. Uh, there was a problem obviously of people revolting and then news would come to him that that part of the city again wants to become independent. That village has become independent. That uh, entire country wants to break off from the Muslim government. And you had parts who were not prepared to pay jizya, Islamic tax. So all that, alhamdulillah, was tackled slowly by Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala. Another problem for Hazrat Umar was the fact uh, you had a lot of different ethnicities that were there, ethnic problems. Uh, these were people of different groups and tribes. Uh, you had the Yemenis who did not get on well with the Syrians, for an example. And then you had the Berbers that did not get on with the Egyptians. And then you had the North Africans that did not get on with the Qureshi people. So you had uh, Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab had a challenge. Allahu Akbar. He's got the Roman Empire, the Persian Empire, all that part of the region, right from the top, North Africa. We haven't covered everything to the detail, but subhanAllah, everything that is mentioned in the history books, now to consolidate everything, to make sure that you have a firm grip on everything and to implement the laws of Sharia, uh, that everything is running in accordance to the Sunnah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam. That is a difficult challenge. Now we also need to understand, although they were uh, under the banner of Islam, this would not mean that immediately all of them became awliyaullah. 
that all of them became sulaha, these were pious people. That was not the case. Tarbiyah takes time. Tarbiyah takes time. And subhanallah, a person needs to give a lot of effort himself also to reach that very high standard of good akhlaq. Uh, ulama have mentioned even amongst sahabai kiram ajma'een there were ranks. Just for, for the brothers to understand. Even sahabai kiram ajma'een, they were sahaba. But there were ranks amongst sahabai kiram ajma'een. The elite were Abu Bakr Siddiq and Umar Farooq radiallahu ta'ala The two elites. No one would come close to them. To such an extent, Huzur alayhi salam said, Abu Bakr is my right eye, Umar is my left eye. Abu Bakr is my right ear, Umar is my left ear. I have two wazirs in the heavens, Jibreel, Mikail, I have two wazirs in this dunya, Abu Bakr and Umar. These were elite companions chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. After Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an, the six appointed, the council of six appointed by Umar radiallahu ta'ala an. And then you had Ashare Mubashara. Ashare Mubashara were the ten given the glad tidings of Jannah in one gathering. And the six were also included in the Ashare Mubashara. After Ashare Mubashara, you had another category of Sahaba, which were known as the Badariyin, the people who fought in the Battle of Badr. Now, all of these people had a tag on them that, look, we have to be careful. Huh? Who is he? Badari Sahabi. Who is he? The man who participated in the Battle of Badr. So they had their own recognition. Everybody would understand that, okay, he's a Badari. 313. 313. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has praised them. وَلَقَدْ نَصْرَكُمُ اللَّهُ بِبَدْرٍ وَأَنْتُمْ أَذِلَّةِ فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهُ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ After Badri Sahabi, we have another category known as Ashabi Bay'at Rizwan. The people who took Bay'a allegiance um, at the hands of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam took Bay'a uh, to fight the Kuffar, Kuffar Quraysh of Makkah Mukarrama. When rumors were circulating that they have assassinated Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala. So if you remember, 1400 Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een under the tree uh, pledged um, the allegiance to Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to fight until death. To fight until death. Allah has praised them also in the Quran. Allah says, لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايِعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ Allah is pleased with those Sahaba that who made bay'ah with Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam under the tree. So you have different, different ranks amongst Sahaba'i kiram ajma'een. Now from amongst Sahaba'i kiram ajma'een, uh, the last rank given, the last in status and in grade, were those companions who embraced Islam after Fathe Makkah. After Makkah was conquered. They are Sahaba but not in the ranking of the Muhajireen and the early Ansar. These were companions, alhamdulillah, but who had embraced Islam after Fathe Makkah. Now the reason for that is that they were not given the opportunity to serve and to remain in the khidmat of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam for a long period of time. So that person who stayed with Rasulullah for 15 years, cannot be compared with that Sahabi who stayed with Rasulullah for two months. Do you understand the difference? There is a possibility that some of the companions only saw Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam only once in their lifetime. There is a possibility that they only saw Rasulullah whilst Rasulullah was performing Hajj and that is it. 
And so there is a difference even amongst the companions. So the, the level of tarbiyah is very, very different. The tarbiyah of muhajirun, the tarbiyah of Abu Bakr Siddiq, Ashre, Mubashara, uh, the people of Badr, the people of Uhud, the people of Ashabi, Bay'at Rizwan, their tarbiyah is different to those who stayed with Rasulullah only for one day or two days or one month or two months. And it was really more with the senior companions that they benefited from. But nevertheless, we, we need to understand one Aqidah, one Masala of Aqidah, uh, which is very, very important. The Sahaba are the most elite. The highest grade given uh, in the Ummah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is to a Sahabi. That would mean, Imam Malik rahmatullah was questioned, can anyone compare Umar bin Abdul Aziz with Amir Muawiyah radiyallahu ta'ala. Amir Muawiyah is a Sahabi. And Umar bin Abdul Aziz is not a Sahabi. Uh, he was a great leader of his time. Hazrat Imam Malik got very angry that now a time has come that you are comparing those that are awliyaullah. How can you compare them to Sahabi? A Sahabi is a Sahabi. And what did he say? He said that even the dust that has settled in the nose of that animal upon which Amir Muawiyah sits on, that can also not be compared. You can't even compare that. Now, obviously, that was just an analogy, uh, an example that uh, Hazrat Imam Malik gave to ensure and to explain to people that this is wrong. Sahabai Kiram Ajma'ina, Sahabai Kiram Ajma'in. I was uh, invited to one place to, to, for dinner, and a simple man, a good man, uh, he was telling me that. Um, Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani's knowledge was even greater than Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala. And I had to take time out and explain to him. I said, my brother, look, no doubt Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani is a great saint, a wali of Allah of his time. But uh, you don't know your history and you don't know your facts. And you don't know the ranking amongst uh, the ummah of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. It is wrong for you to say that. And alhamdulillah, a good man after explaining to him, he did Tawbah and he said, no, this is wrong, I did not know. A lot of people don't even know uh, the different eras, the time in which the shuyukh were born. When Imam Bukhari was around and Imam Muslim and the other muhaddisin, mufassirin, and you have tabi'een, tabi tabi'een and sahabai kiram ajma'een. These are different elite categories. Uh, in the Ummah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And that is why Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam has also said that those that make tarbiyah of camels, the shepherd of camels and the shepherds of uh, the sheep are different. You'll find those who make tarbiyah of sheep that they are more humble and those who are in touch with the camels they have a sense of arrogance in them because camels are strong stubborn animals and so it, it even affects uh, their, their, their masters you know, the, the one uh, the shepherd, the one who looks after the, the camels in the hadith it comes, you have an effect so the level of tarbiyah is very very different subhanallah lazim so it was not easy for Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala just to come and change people over time uh, a lot of time was taken a lot of mashwira was taken from the senior companions subhanallah, this was again a great blessing so immediately what Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala did was some uh, changes one change, uh, one step that he took was, is amazing in the books of history. Uh, 
And this is only reserved for Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an. What he did was he established uh, border military towns. Border military towns. This is the doing of Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an. An amazing system that he introduced. Like I said that he was not prepared to compromise. He would not give an inch back to the Ahle Kuffar. So he established many many towns. Uh, these were known as frontier towns uh, between Darul Islam and Darul Kufr. And so it was clearly marked. The borders were marked clearly. And you had little little towns uh, covering the entire Islamic border from one area to the other area. All of that border was covered with, with towns. Subhanallah. And who would live in these uh, border military towns? Mujahideen. Soldiers would live there. He wanted to show the people of Kufr, Darul Kufr, the strength of Islam. The strength of now today, look at the condition of the Muslims. Our borders are unmanned. Anybody can just walk in and walk out and do whatever they want to do. What we see with Egypt and what we see with uh, our Palestinian brothers. And everywhere around the world you see. In fact, we invite people. Come, we invite people. This is our condition. Unmanned. It is like, uh, the Ummah is like a flock of sheep without a shepherd a flock of sheep without a shepherd you can do whatever you want to do that is the problem with us Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab would never make that mistake for him Islamic borders were very very important clearly marked and you had the, the mujahideen that had settled in that area that is why Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam has mentioned a lot of virtue for those who fight in ribats. And ribats actually means to, to look after the Islamic borders. And so Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab made towns for people, for the Mujahideen to move uh, in that locality, in that area. And there is so much virtue in the hadith of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So the people who live in, that, in those towns are known as the Murabitun. Who are they known as? Murabitun. And so you have the ribat and you have the murabitun. Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam said one, one virtue. Listen to this. One day in ribat is better than 60 years of fasting and 60 years of your salah. One day of ribat protecting the Islamic border is better than 60 years of fasting and 60 years of siyam and salah. Allahu Akbar. In another hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said, One night in ribat, one night in ribat is better than doing atiqaf in Masjidul Haram. Why? Because if the enemies were to attack, the first impact would fall on the people of ribat, the, the murabitun, the people who were settled there. So an immense responsibility was given to the Murabitun. The people of the cities would feel a lot of security around them. Why? They feel that, Alhamdulillah, that Umar ta'ala an has made sure that the borders have been protected. So we are free to do whatever we want to do. 
And so they would be vigilant, they would be on guard, they would have weapons all the time. That is why if the kuffar attacked, the first people to become shaheed were the murabitun. So this is uh, a life and death situation at any time. So the people of murabitun hold great virtue. Uh, in in no time it is said when you when you compare the expansion of uh, the Islamic cities, uh, the cities that were just known as towns built by established by Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab in Arabic that is known as al-Saghar as al-Saghar they became cities <laughs> they became cities people would uh, want to live in those cities why? because of the fazilats because of the virtue that Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam has mentioned about the to protect the Islamic borders so Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu ta'ala an, an amazing thing what he did is that he protected the Islamic borders, making sure nobody would cross, nobody would trespass, and not an inch was taken from the Muslims. Subhanallah al-Azim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give him jazai khair. Another major change after the conquests, after the Futuhat, he felt that there was a need of spreading knowledge. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Now you have all sorts of people. Remember that a lot of them that were settling uh, in, in, in these cities that were governed by the Muslims were people who paid jizya. They were not Muslims. And so they needed a lot of tarbiyah. Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an, again with his one command, you found as many as 600 schools were emerging just in one city. Madaris and Jamia. Now the difference is that... Um, even in the madrasa at that time, you, you were taught different sciences. Different sciences. It was not just about Islam, it was not just about the Quran and Sunnah. That is why in the Arabic language, the translation of university is by the word which we know as Jamia. What is it known as? Jamia. If you go to Medina Munawara, Jamia, Al Madinatul Munawara, Jamia, Jamia. And Jamia is also the name of a masjid. The main central masjid is also known as a Jamia. So all of these uh, educational institutes were run by the main masjid. So it was the masjid, uh, it was uh, uh, the learned scholars that were in authority but the main uh, law that was passed by Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala which we need to understand is that anyone who wanted to um, take on different subjects for example if a person wanted to become a doctor or a pharmacy or if he wanted to become an astronomer or anything whatever he wanted to become the first course he must take is a basic understanding of the Quran and Sunnah and in fact in some parts of the Madaris and Jamiats uh, you, you, you would have to become a Hafiz of the Quran to become a doctor <coughs> You would have to become a hafiz of the Quran to become a scientist or an astronomer. So the, the foundation was embedded in the hearts of people first. You become a good Muslim first, then become a doctor. Become a good Muslim, then become a politician. Become a good Muslim, then become a dentist. Today what happens, it's the complete opposite. We have basic understanding of the madrasa. And after 16, 17 years, that child goes to college, university. Remember, there's nothing wrong with knowledge. Alhamdulillah. Your knowledge is good. 
even if it's uh, knowledge of dunya it is very very important but the problem is uh, our foundation of Islam is so weak that when we go in that environment in the universities in the campuses and in that environment of ahle kufr of ahle shaitan of dunya we are affected immediately and that nur that we have of iman becomes totally weak and that is why sometimes a person can change immediately so many times we have seen people mashallah before they would read salah good manners uh, they would respect the elders they would read the salat quran everything the minute they go to university and are exposed to the outside world that environment changes them immediately now my respected rizi insan is very very weak insan is very weak in fact it is said that if junaid baghdadi is in one room a man of that level junaid baghdadi a great buzrug and with junaid baghdadi just for 24 hours at a distance there is a a, a ghair mahram lady there the shaitan says that i have power to make junaid baghdadi commit zina the shaitan says i have power to make junaid baghdadi commit zina with that woman all I need is a few hours. Huh? So what are we, my respected brothers? Ham kis khed ki gajar muli hai. Who are we? We are very, very weak. Very, very weak. Allahu Akbar. Uh, it, it's shocking. Somebody was telling me some of the youth uh, even drink alcohol. Huh? Now, alhamdulillah, you even have very, very decent and good Muslims. Huh? We have good and the bad. But again that risk element is there. Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab made sure. The first thing was to make sure that that person becomes a muttaqi. And after, mashallah, taking in knowledge of the sunnah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he was allowed, mashallah, to pursue in any other career that he wanted. Again, it was an entire Islamic environment. So you had men on one side, you had... The, the, the madaris and educational institutes for women completely separate completely separate this was the second major change and the third change that is very ajeeb also this did not affect uh, uh, the, the general public uh, the, the ummah at large this only affected sahabai kiram ajma'een Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala had very high regards for the companions of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam he did not want them to take on uh, any profession that would eat up all their time that would consume their time so for an example uh, he did not want them to become farmers or to be engaged in agriculture Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab noticed when some of the, the companions Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een when they went to Syria, Syria was very, very green, fertile land as compared to Arabia, <laughs> desert. So for the first time when the Arabs saw, mashallah, green, greenery everywhere, fertile land, some of the Sahaba who fought in the battles, mashallah, uh, they were given their share of the booty and they bought lands in Syria and started cultivating them. Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab heard of this, got very, very angry. In fact, in one narration it comes that Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab actually burnt some lands that belonged to the companions. Some lands that would belong to the companions. And again, 
Ashura a meeting was called for all of the Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een. What he did is that he spread all of the companions throughout the Islamic Empire. Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een were people of these were shining stars, uh, Subhanallah, beacon of light. These were great, great individuals. He called all of the companions and he said that, let me remind you that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you a very high ranking. You are the people who have seen Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I cannot accept from you a profession that will take all your time. So now, in those days, if you were to become a farmer, what would mean is that all of your time would be you would be preoccupied in farming. So for months on months, time would be spent in the farmyard. It would be very, very difficult. So he said to the companions, Allah has not sent you to become farmers. Allah has not sent you... Now, who could say that? Who could say that? It was only uh, the likes of Umar ibn al-Khattab who could say that. He said, Allah has not sent you so you become farmers. Huh? Now, in those days, remember, Hazrat Umar did not say you can't do business. He allowed the companions to do business. Hazrat Uthman was a businessman. Abdurrahman bin Auf was a businessman. But in those days, business did not mean that your hands are tied. Now imagine if Hazrat Umar was alive today. And if he was to look at our conditions, how we are 24-7 dunya. 24-7 dunya. Well, wherever we go, it's dunya. Allahu Akbar. Now in those days, tijarat was very simple. You go in the market, sell whatever you have, mashallah, the money you earn, the profit that you earn, that lasts you for one week, two weeks. And then again you go into the market, sell. It was a simple method of tijarat, bay and shira. So you would have a lot of time at hand. And you'd also have money. You'd have time and money. Now if you become a farmer, it would be very difficult. So that Umar said, I allow you to do tijarat for your living. But you cannot engage in other professions that would eat away your time. And in fact what he did is that he fixed a salary for sahabai kiram ajma'een so that they would only spend time in jihad. He, he said to them, your duty is jihad. Your duty is jihad. To spread iman and Islam, your duty is da'wah. So go in the masjid and those who have not embraced Islam, teach them, explain to the people, give them da'wah. This is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent you. You are the great companions of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. All of the Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een understood this message. And this is how, subhanallah, the Khilafat flourished during the, the time of Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give him jazai khair. My respected brothers, uh, we end at that uh, with regards to all of the battles and the conquests. And alhamdulillah, all of the futuhat given to the Muslims. We had covered much also uh, during the Khilafat of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala an, because uh, a special name was there, Hazrat Khalid bin Walid radiallahu ta'ala an, and Hazrat Khalid bin Walid's period was between the two great individuals. He was also alive during the period of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq and also during the, the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an. So when we were talking about Hazrat Khalid bin Walid, we had already covered uh, the, the conquests, the Futuhat of Syria and how the Roman Empire uh, came into uh, being the, a part of the Islamic Empire. And now inshallah ta'ala we complete the, the Persian Empire.
and in the next session inshallah we will talk about the last days of Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala and how death came to him and who was selected as a Khalifa uh, how Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala came into power inshallah in the next session Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen dua kalmeh اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه تسليما اللهم تقبل منا وتب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم نستغفرك ونتوب إليك نستغفرك ونتوب إليك سمعنا وأطعنا غفرانك ربنا وإليك المصير برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين